Campus Roundup podcast. And we're back from the campus's winter break. So, you know, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Can we still say that? It's like January. It's like halfway through January. You can't can you, really can you say still it. say that? No. No, it we're just see, we're past. It seems like the ball hasn't fallen in Times Square and we're way behind the times. It's is there like a, you know, like a, a time limit to Happy New Year? Is it like within day. like really, one year, one week or so? It is not allowed anymore. <laughs> now you're just saying happy frozen wet. All right. Well, I take it back. Yeah. No happy new year. Good, good wishes. <laughs> Best wishes. Okay. Yes. Happy. No. Um, be well. Yes. Be well. That's more like the end. Though. <laughs> be well. Sign off. <laughs> we don't know what to say. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> wish people all the best in a generic sort of way. Okay, that sounds good. Today, um, we wish you all the best, and we're going to go over a few news items from the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. And we're going to talk about the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. All right, so let's dive in. First, I have to start with some sad news, unfortunately. John DeZikas has died. Many of you will remember him as kind of like a a founding father of UC Santa Cruz. He was a, a historian who trained at Harvard, and he joined UC Santa Cruz the summer before the campus first opened its doors to students in 1965. So he was a founding faculty member. He was a professor emeritus of American studies when he died at his home in Santa Cruz on December 26th, and he was 86 years old. During his 35 years here, he had been a professor of history, a professor and co-founder of the American Studies Department, provost of Cowell College from 1979 to 1983, and chair of the Council of Provosts. He was a young assistant professor of history at the University of Connecticut when he decided to make this crazy leap and join the UC Santa Cruz campus. And something funny he said about uh, doing that was, several friends said, for God's sake, don't go there. You'll end up doing the plumbing. Oh, I hadn't heard that before. That's great. And he, he continued on. Of course, they were right. But what they didn't realize was that it was incredibly exciting to start a place where we were relatively free to do new things. And I think that really sums up the whole starting of UC Santa Cruz and the tradition that still exists here, don't you think? It really does. And I've always thought that he's such a class act yeah. and such a gentle and wise spirit with such a strong institutional knowledge of all things UC Santa Cruz. And the Dezikas concert in yeah. his honor every year. It was ongoing. Such a, it's, it's ongoing. At Alumni Weekend. At Alumni Weekend, which people love. It's such a beloved event in his honor. So. Yeah, and it will have kind of extra poignancy this year. I want to let you know um, there will be a memorial celebration for John DeZikas on Saturday, February 9, from 2 to 5 p.m. in the Stevenson Event Center on campus. And if you would like to go, let the host know you, you plan to be there. Um, and the way you can do that is going to our to the UC Santa Cruz events calendar, which you can find on the homepage, and then search there for John DeZikas Memorial. And then you can click on buy tickets, even though the event is free, but that's just how you'll get to the registration page. So 
he'll be missed. Yeah. It's worth mentioning he was a prolific author. As I recall, right. didn't a book of his just come out? That's right, less than a year ago, a book of yeah. his came out, which is incredible. It just, is. It and is. Specializing in books about history that mm-hmm. were really learned, but also really interesting and accessible. And yeah. So. All right. Um, sad news. So, sad news, for sure. Okay, next I want to report on some super interesting research about facial recognition that could have potential for people with autism. So every time we look at a face, you know, Dan, we, we take in this like flood of information and we, we don't even think about it. Like you're recognizing age and gender and race, expression, even someone's mood. But how our brains do this is a mystery. So understanding it better might help those who have trouble with eye contact, including people with autism. So helping people tap into that flow of social cues that that we get could be transformational. Yeah. A new study led by Nicholas Davidenko, an assistant professor of psychology here, boosts our insights into this a lot. Looking at the eyes, he says allows you to gather much more information and is a real advantage while being unable to make eye contact puts you at a social disadvantage. And you can, I mean, like if you see someone and they're not making eye contact with you, you automatically feel that, right? People who are reluctant to make eye contact can also be misperceived as disinterested, distracted, or aloof. Scientists have known for decades that when we look at a face, we do tend to focus on the left side of the face we're viewing. And they think this is rooted in the brain because the brain's right hemisphere mostly does the face processing tasks. Researchers also know we have a really hard time reading a face that's like upside down. You know, if you've ever seen a picture of somebody's uh, face upside down and you're like, whoa, (laughs) it looks, yeah, right. Um, But they didn't know how Um, They didn't know much about how we take in faces that are like rotated or a little bit tilted. So Davidenko used eye tracking technology to get answers on this. And what he found really surprised him, which was that left gaze bias I just talked about totally vanished. And what came in its place was an upper eye bias, even with a tilt that was kind of minor, even as little as 11 degrees off center. So people tend to look first at whichever eye is higher. He said, a slight tilt kills the left gaze bias that's been known for so long. And he was surprised how strong it was. And so perhaps more importantly for people with autism, David Anko found that the tilt leads people to look more at the eyes, maybe because it makes them more approachable and less threatening. And he thinks this finding could be used therapeutically, perhaps. Because we'll find out more. Yeah, exactly. So anything that, that you know can help is is just so great, and it's such fascinating information to have. Such important work. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next I want to talk about big waves, but unfortunately not big waves at Mavericks, where there would be a surf contest. Um, as you know, sea level rise is already threatening coastal areas, but new research shows that waves are also getting stronger. So not only is this <laughs> poor Dan is afraid just, right now. Yeah, another reason to stay out of the water. I don't need many more. It's cold. It's wet. <laughs> yes, it's the ocean. It's wet. They're a great fish. Um, so new 
research shows that waves waves are getting stronger and that ocean warming is the cause of these like beefier waves. Researchers discovered that wave power has been increasing in direct correlation with warming of the ocean surface. The upper ocean warming has influenced wind patterns worldwide, makes sense, and this in turn is making ocean waves stronger. Wave power has increased globally by 0.4% per year since 1948. I know. That's adding up. Uh, Yeah. So this it's like seriously super... adding up. So I wonder if you could Does feel that. Like, <laughs> I wonder if you could feel it. Like, can surfers feel stronger waves? Or is it just way out there, too, in the open ocean? I'm not sure. But this is according to lead author Borja Reguero, a researcher in the Institute of Marine Sciences here at UC Santa Cruz. All this information is important for coastal communities, because, of course, they'll want to try to anticipate impacts on infrastructure and such. Ocean waves determine where people you know, build infrastructure like ports or harbors or what needs protection through things like breakwaters and levees. And sea level rise will only heighten the effects of more powerful waves because more wave energy will be able to reach shoreward. So it's kind of scary info, but it's better to know than to not. Well, yes, but, but all these climate change stories taken together, I'm just going to retire to my bunker and just, I wish everybody well. So hopefully I can podcast them down there and the, the acoustics sure will be good and people can give me weather reports and I'm just done. It's, it's too scary. I know. I know. Yeah, it's really, really scary. All right. So now that I've scared you to your bunker, uh, what's on your news radar? Well, I got some good news that's taking place indoors. Yay. In the museum, good news. Actually. Okay. Cool. Well, um, I always love to hear stories about works of art that continue to move and inspire people to find appreciative audiences and change people's lives long after the artist who created these things has Mm. gone. Now, this is one of those inspirational stories. Eduardo Carrillo was a beloved UC Santa Cruz art professor, and his art had really deep roots. Mm. He was raised in East L.A., and he drew his inspiration from uh, ancient mythology, Chicano culture, and desert light. Aside from teaching at UC Santa Cruz for 25 years, where he had many loyal students. Wow, yeah. He was a great mentor. And he introduced generations of students to drawing, art history, ceramics, shadow puppetry, mural, fresco, and uh, his trademark oil and watercolor paintings. He also created set designs for local theater productions. He brought arts programs to children and teenagers, and he supported emerging artists in the Beach Flats area of Santa Cruz. Now, wow, ed- he's multi-talented and gave to his community. Really generous guy, and he did murals. Um, some of them were downtown. Unfortunately, one of them was, was whitewashed, but he just mm-hmm. did all kinds of things. He died in Mexico in 1997 at age 60, but his extraordinary art lives on, and lately he's been getting some long overdue recognition and national publicity for his artwork. Great. Now, several museums across the USA have been showing a traveling exhibition of Carrillo's works, this show has been getting rave reviews in various right. newspapers, including the Sacramento Bee. And uh, for all of you Bay Area art lovers out there, I'm really glad to report that the exhibition is now on display at the Triton Museum of Art in Santa Clara through January 27. So there is still time to go and check out the exhibition called Eduardo Carrillo, Testament of the Spirit. You really should go see it. I hear it's 
really moving. And what's the other thing that's really, really great about this is I hear that a lot of former students and people who knew him are kind of meeting, converging at these mm, events cool. and seeing each other again. And if you go, take a look out for a painting called Los Tropicanes, which is truly a monumental work is in theme as well as the physical size of it, truly an epic. It's been described by former San Francisco Chronicle art critic Kenneth Baker as among the most remarkable paintings made in the Bay Area in the 1970s. By the way, uh, he was a founding member of Oaks College and uh, Marcy Greenwood. He, she is a former chancellor of UC Santa Cruz, once described him as an extraordinarily talented artist, an imaginative, dedicated teacher, and a gentle, considerate person. So really, uh, he's someone whose work in life is worth celebrating. Yeah, sounds good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating person. And speaking of faculty who are getting their due uh, across the divisions, really, UC Santa Cruz biologist Jeremy Sanford has just been awarded a prestigious $1.8 million grant from uh, NIH, the National Institutes of Health. Now, Professor, Professor Sanford teaches molecular cell and developmental biology at UC Santa Cruz. Now, why is this important? Why is this big news? Uh, well, the fact is, he's well, been doing a lot of really great, impactful research. Well, it's a lot of money. I know. It's I was going to say, one point eight million. That's yes, all. but but how is this? How is how is this impactful for everybody? And I, I want to emphasize right. that. Uh, um, the fact is he's been doing a lot of really great impactful research about RNA binding proteins, mm -hmm. specifically the role that these proteins play in the expression of genes. We are interested in how messages are assembled and how this information is used by the cell, Professor Sanford said. This is really crucially important work because when RNA processing goes haywire, when there are problems with it, people can find themselves in serious health trouble. As a matter of fact, Faulty or what they call aberrant RNA processing is the root cause of some inherited human diseases such as spinal muscular atrophy and myotonic dystrophy and certain cancers. Hmm. Now, the advent of drugs targeting RNA makes this a truly exciting time to be studying the actions of RNA binding proteins, Professor Sanford said. So my take on this is that this kind of grant money, this 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 enormous influx of grant money helps researchers, it, sci it helps scientists make headway in a battle against these really insidious diseases. And grants such as this one also give investigators the freedom to follow the best scientific path forward. And as Professor Sanford says, there's no better place to be doing this kind of work than at UC Santa Cruz, which has been the epicenter of the RNA world for decades. So huge yeah. news in the sciences right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. That's oh. that's not a piddling amount of money. One point eight million dollars. That's if it was well, one dollar and eighty five cents, then that would have been yeah. Then we'd have been like mm. we probably would have left that out of the line. <laughs> now I'd Hopefully. like to talk about a new landmark for activism at UC Santa Cruz. As you know, Gwen, UC Santa Cruz is a hotbed of activism. I do. Would you say yes, that? I I think I would say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want people who are shy about expressing their opinions on signs or in demonstrations. <laughs> Every once in a while, maybe blocking a major highway. <laughs> You'd have to look elsewhere, right? We're known for activism, for yeah. fostering activists. Mm -hmm. The one thing we've never had until now, activist in resonance, mm. all right? Isal Ambrosio, who's the program director of the Davenport uh, Resource Service Center, has been named the inaugural activist in residence at UC Santa Cruz's Research Center for the Americas. 
which is a really, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great organization that supports research on Latin America, migration, human rights, the arts, education, culture, labor, and the politics of California's Latino and immigrant communities. Now, what exactly does it mean to be an activist in residence? As you all know, if you've got experience with activists or being an activist, being, being one of these people, being really involved in the community can be a time-consuming process. It can sometimes be a lonely process. If you're on your own as an activist, you're not always working with a tremendous amount of resources. An activist, as you know, is someone who's committed to social change, to progressive reform, and to really strengthening local communities. Too often, this kind of work goes unrecognized. It can be very tiring and demanding. Now, what's really neat about this UCSE Activist in Residence program for uh, this institute is it allows for activists to do their really crucial social justice work while in dialogue with members of the UC Santa community and with access to university resources. So you're no longer an activist alone. You're, mm -hmm. you're teaming up with the university. So let me give you a quick sense of Mr. Ambrosio's background. He's a former farm worker, actually, who received his formal education all along the Central Coast, starting at Cabrillo College and then moving on to uh, California State University, Monterey Bay, and eventually earning a law degree from Monterey College of uh, the Law. And as a local activist and community leader, he's sought to find ways to support migrants, families, and others in need. Over the past several years, he's volunteered at the Watsonville Law Center, the YMCA, Santa Cruz Community Coalition to Overcome Racism, Monarch Services, and his church. So in other words, he's really serious about making yeah. people's lives better. His family, he and his family live in Watsonville. In his role as activist in residence, he's going to consult with UCSC community members on a new project that is designed to strengthen families in North County with strong support in particular for mothers in the area. In fact, he will be leading monthly workshops to support the moms. So uh, I'm wishing Mr. Ambrosio all the best with his new position. It sounds really exciting for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see you know what he does yes. next and as time goes by. And I imagine that's the first time anyone's seen that title at a university before. So I imagine once so. again, we're trailblazing. We're pioneers. <laughs> and we have right. some exciting events coming up. Yeah, we do. Do you want to talk about them? I can talk about it, okay, sure. sure. Now, the time has come almost for the annual uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Convocation in right. downtown Santa Cruz. Always a great event. Yes, if you haven't gone, you should really give yourself a treat and go. It's free, it's always really inspiring, fascinating, always a big old enthusiastic crowd. Mm -hmm. as, as you know, it's the celebration of the dream, life, and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, this year's edition will take place Monday, February 11th at 7 p.m. at the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium. Admission is free. Always a good idea to get there on the early side. It does fill up. <clears throat> this year, the keynote address will be delivered by Professor Melissa Harris-Perry, who is the Maya Angelou Presidential Chair at Wake Forest University. There she is founding director of the Anna Julia Cooper Center and co-director of Wake the Vote. She's the editor-at-large of L.com and a contributing editor at The Nation. From 2012 through 2016, she hosted the TV show Melissa Harris-Perry on weekend mornings on MSNBC and was awarded the Hillman Prize for broadcast journalism Award-winning author, sought-after public speaker, lecturing widely through the U.S., so that should be really dynamic. And yeah. as you know, that this convocation attracts the most incredible speakers. I saw Nikki Giovanni there once. Mm -hmm. All kinds of people. Angela Davis was there once. It was, uh, it was, it's really a remarkable convocation. Yeah, there has been, over the years, there's been the most incredible lineup of speakers you can imagine. It's been 
super inspiring. And since the event's free, uh, no need to register, just go ahead and go. And once again, it's February 11th, that's a Monday, at 7 p.m. at the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium in downtown Santa Cruz. All right, and then another one. Yes, the events just keep coming with yeah. big names. Janet Yellen, you mm -hmm. probably have heard of her, I widely rec regarded as one of the most successful Federal Reserve chairs in history, and I should add, the first female chair yeah. of the Fed, mm -hmm. will receive the UC Santa Cruz Foundation Medal at a special ceremony in Menlo Park next month. And University of California President Janet Napolitano will make a special appearance at the ceremony, which takes place on Saturday, February 2nd at the Hotel Nia in uh, Menlo Park. She uh, headed the Federal Reserve from 2014 to 2018. Uh, she'll receive an award that recognizes individuals of exceptionally distinguished achievement whose work and contributions to society exemplify the visions and ideals of the University of California at Santa Cruz. Now, uh, registration, I believe it's, it's $100 a ticket. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, it's a really good idea to register if you're interested as soon as you can because registration is quite limited. It's a really good idea to do that ASAP. Yeah, so um, go to the UCSC events calendar, which you can find on our homepage, ucsc.edu. Um, go to calendars and click on the events calendar, and then just do a search for Foundation Medal, and it should come up. Great. So, wow, that's going to be um, a big event with a lot of important folks and should be interesting. Yeah, that should be fascinating. I'd yeah. And uh, by the way, she's got long-standing connections to uh, UC Santa Cruz. Um, she's worked with our economics uh, professors in the past. And uh, UC Santa Cruz economic professor and alumnus, by the way, Michael Hutchison, mm -hmm. has described her as a brilliant economist, great teacher, great mentor, very insightful, but unpretentious. A rare combination. So that's great. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So those are some of the great events coming up. You can find <clears throat> lots more events at the UC Santa Cruz events calendar. Check it out, look through it. Of course, we have Alumni Weekend coming up too. Don't wanna to forget that. And that is the last weekend of April, April 26th through 28th. So mark your calendar for that. And yes. soon we will have um, the events listings out so you can cruise through and see what looks interesting to you. All right, so I think that's it for this time. So I'm not gonna say Happy New Year. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's say it. Let's, I, I, I'm being a stick in the mud. All Happy right. New Year, everybody. Oh, Happy late New Year. Yay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was feeling kind of guilty about that. All right. Cool. Yeah. Okay, everyone. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody. Right. Bye.